0: When you are in hyper-growth environments, you grow along with the company. So the learning is really steep, and to optimize for learning, working in such companies would give you a platform for you to be able to do that. Why do some companies succeed
1: in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, These are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. I'm Mada, and I'm the host for How I Grew This. Today, I'm excited to have our next guest, Aditi Sampath, who is currently the Group Product Manager at Walmart Labs. Before she started at Walmart, Aditi worked for other tech giants like Microsoft, Amazon, IBM, and now also teaches Product Management at Product School. Aditi, thank you so much for joining How I Grew This. We're so excited to have you here and hear about your experiences in driving growth of some of uh, today's top companies.
0: Thank you, Madam, for inviting me over to branch. I'm super excited to talk to your community. This is exciting.
1: Yeah, we're super excited to have you. Maybe we can start really simple with your career journey. And, and, and maybe let's start at the very beginning. What got you to even go into product?
0: I started off my career as an engineer at Microsoft. I have always been passionate about technology and how products that leverage technology to drive amazing customer experiences. I was very intrigued by the role of product manager when I was at Microsoft and wanted to make that transition. However, over time, um, I was able to get to do that a few years after through my business school experiences, through strategy consulting that I did after that at IBM. So a lot of the experiences I had to garner in order to actually get to product management. So I would say it was a winding path to get to product management.
1: So you didn't start from the very beginning. You wanted to be one, but you actually, you had to like kind of get outside of Microsoft. Yeah,
0: yeah. I aspired to be one, but I felt like I did not have... All the necessary skill sets in order to be successful in that role. So, the way I approached that was to really garner that formal experience through going to business school, understanding how different functions of an organization work. And that a lot of that experience came from doing strategy consulting at IBM. So, it's more of getting that formal experience before I actually make that switch. And what was your first product management position? My first product management position was actually uh, during my business school time at Amazon. Nice. I was responsible for the demand generation for Kindle. So it was a very short stint as an intern, but that was really my first product management gig. Did you go to IBM after business school?
1: or was IBM before business school?
0: IBM was right after business school. So even though I was considering some of the product management positions right after business school, I felt like I had done a lot of execution oriented roles, uh, even at uh, Microsoft prior to that as an engineer. So I, I understood how product execution worked, but I didn't really understand what it takes to craft a business strategy, which in turn translates to product strategy. And I felt like just getting that experience was super important. So I decided to take on the stint at IBM, where all I did was focus on the business and product strategy for various electronics and e-commerce clients.
1: We actually have very similar experiences. I also was a consultant, and then I went moved into product. I personally realized that product wasn't for me. I don't think I'm detail-oriented enough. But you were talking earlier about you know, the skills you need to be a product manager. Mm-hmm. What do you think are those skills?
0: I think there are a lot of skills that are needed and, and it will be honed over time, especially as you take on that role. But really, if I have to pinpoint a couple of them that are needed at every level of that, being a product manager are critical thinking ability.
1: Yeah,
0: and um, I can see that. That ties to having good judgment, ability to make data-informed decisions. And of course, the aspect of being able to collaborate with a wide array of internal and external stakeholders, I would say, are the top ones.
1: That's really interesting. And I agree with those. <laughs> uh, I think stakeholder management as a product manager is probably one of them. If you don't have that, I don't think you can survive, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: So you've you've had an incredible career, from microsoft to amazon to ambon and even machine zone and now walmart i think you've you've navigated some working with some incredible companies what are some lessons that
0: you took from that the way i have looked at my career and i've optimized my career is by focusing on depth and breadth when i say depth it's really about garnering the subject matter expertise it's about going deep into a particular area and solving very uh, deep problems both macro and micro right When it comes to breadth, it's really about getting that exposure to different industries and functions and domains in order to eventually be a product leader. For example, uh, I have worked in multiple industries and multiple types of products. I have built comparison shopping engine for auto insurance to uh, building an ad tech platform to now building online grocery experiences so it's, it's both working on a more B2B product and B2C product and different industries and functions has constantly put me on this steep learning curve and helped me hone my skills as a product manager.
1: Yeah, got it. What do you think is different between being a product manager for like a B2B company versus a B2C company?
0: I would say that some of the fundamental product management skills that are needed are still the same. The things that I said earlier, right, being able to uh, critically think, having that strong product sense, uh, being very data informed and collaboration skills, those all remain the same. But really some of the stakeholders that you work with on a day to day basis and understanding the needs of those customers uh, and how you approach some of the solutioning for that and prioritize those solutions could be a little bit different.
1: So you were talking about the ad platform. You just mentioned that. And I remember reading on your LinkedIn about it. And there was a machine zone, right? Yes. Uh, that sounds like a really interesting and, and big project. Can you talk a little bit about that? How did you think about it? What were your, your learnings, your successes, anything you're willing to share?
0: Uh, the way this all started off was to really leverage uh, the, the platform for internal media buying. Uh, Machines obviously is a gaming company and they have a whole array of games that they were launching to market and spending billions of dollars in ads uh, every year from over 250 plus media channels, all the way from the Googles to the Facebooks of the world to a long tail of affiliates, adnets, and so on. Uh, so really this product started off as being uh, something that internal media buyers would use and how can we make their life more efficient when they're doing a media buys at scale. Over time, uh, we did consider putting it out there for some of uh, the external companies who could also perhaps leverage the same technology and the same uh, knowledge base that we had in order to do their media buying. So it was very interesting because of really the scale of the data that we had to deal with. Right, The platform essentially started as a data platform to support uh, media buys. So all the way from thinking about uh, how do you drive ROI, thinking about ROAS, this product was meant to serve as a reporting and analytics engine to provide those insights and eventually also allow for... Uh, more automated creation and management of campaigns and so on.
1: Interesting. And do you, how did you feel, how would you kind of like compare being a product manager in gaming with other industries? I've, I've looked at some of uh, the best product managers and it seems like there's this trend where a lot of product managers start in gaming and then they move into other places. It feels like it's where you get uh, welded into like... <laughs> <laughs> The, definitely, gaming has its own reputation. What are your thoughts around that? and Do you feel it was an interesting environment for learning? And do you, would you recommend it for someone looking to start their career?
0: Yes and no. I think there are definitely advantages when you're looking at an industry like gaming. But, but I would really focus on more of a hyper-growth sort of company or a product that is being built. Because when you're in hyper-growth environments you grow along with the company. So the learning is really steep. So again, like it's all about optimizing for learning. And to optimize for learning, working in such companies would give you a much, I would say, uh, platform for you to be able to do that.
1: No, that's amazing advice. I think finding a hyper-growth company, a company that has a lot of potential for growth and, and going there, I think it's, I've definitely seen it. A branch with some of the mm. um our employees that have grown so much and it's like kind of amazing to see and i think part of that happened because we grew very fast so yeah
0: and i would like to add to that and say that hyper growth company or product right sometimes the product could be a part of because a much larger, larger organization yeah. like right now i have taken on a role to lead uh all of the product for uh, the mexico market for walmart essentially this is uh, leading the online grocery web and the app customer experiences for the mexico market. very cool it's a super fast again a hyper growth environment but still a part of this larger organization called walmart which is a fortune one company so when i say hyper growth it could be hyper growth company or it could be hyper growth or within a larger organization
1: I think that's a very good way of putting it. I think sometimes people think hyper growth can only be the startup that just raised money. But I think the way, you know, a company moving into a new market. And I think, you know, there's like, thinking about working for a big company like Walmart, it, there's hyper growth, but also you have the the resources of the large organization. So in some ways you can have the best of both, both worlds, right? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about Walmart, uh, expanding into a foreign market. I think it's something that probably many product managers struggle with. I think markets can be so different. And going into a completely different market like Mexico, how is that? How do you think about that differently?
0: I actually started off at Walmart on the US side of the world, which is essentially building the online grocery experience for the US market. Uh, Very recently, I switched over to doing the same for Mexico. The product has for Mexico has existed for a couple of years now. But it's really about taking that to the next level and making uh, a bigger impact than what we have already done. I would say that uh, from a how is it different from building products for the U.S., I think the fundamentals are still the same. It's really about understanding who your customer is and building uh, products and experiences for the customer within that market. The advantage, obviously, is that if there are already existing technologies or experiences that we have built for a different market, in some cases, you could leverage that in order to speed up the time to market. But that said, it uh, really understanding what, what are the needs of the customer for that market, also understanding the technology adoption within that market and which technology channels are more suited for that market is more important to be able to build experiences that would resonate well with that market, I think.
1: That's great advice and something I'll consider. I think we're looking to expand into Latin America. So I think that's great advice for us as well. And as I think at Walmart, you focused both before in US and in Mexico a lot on like the user experience. And I think there's this like idea of like some people think of growth only as user acquisition and I think user experience and building great products is such a big part of growth. How do you think about that and how do you th- what do you think the role of user experience plays into growth?
0: To me growth is not just about user acquisition. It's about the the full gamut of it, right? It's about once you acquire a user, how do you continue to engage them and convert them on your site or your app? And how do you keep bringing them back to your site or an app, depending on the frequency that you expect them to come back? Yeah. So it's it's all of that that drives growth. Depending on the stage at which the product is in, the focus would be on different aspects of it, right? Where it could be that you're focusing on acquiring users first when you're starting off the company and then... Or the product, and then you would switch to more. You know, how do you focus on engaging and conversion? And later on, maybe it's more about retention frequency. And then you come back to acquiring users. Yeah. It's it's constantly moving back and forth between all the levers you have across the board in order to ultimately drive your business metrics, uh, which could be revenue or cutting cost, whatever that monetization model you have. It's is to drive that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so
1: I think switching back, switching gears to you know becoming a product manager, I've um, I've looked you up and I noticed that you teach product school and and you teach fundamentals of product. Tell us a little bit about your classes and uh, if people out there are maybe interested in checking them out, where can they find them?
0: I uh, teach at Product School and uh, most of the folks that come in and take my class are either. Aspiring product managers or product managers who have been in early stages of their career and are looking to elevate themselves to the next level. Uh, So the focus of uh, these classes are really the fundamentals of product management. It's super important, I think, to have a solid foundation for you to be able to grow into a seasoned product leader ultimately. So these classes are meant to give you that one-on-one of product management, if I may say. Can people just find them online or would they have to subscribe? They can sign up for the classes uh, on uh, Product School. Uh, there are various instructors uh, who teach. I taught a cohort uh, earlier this year and uh, hoping to do one more uh, next year, perhaps. So they can go to Product School and uh, sign up. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Okay, for those out there listening, Product School dot com, I think, <laughs> or just look up Product School on Google and sign up. So, you know, you have had your own journey about getting into product and you probably faced some interesting challenges. Tell me about like one of these challenges and how did you kind of approach it and, and what was the solution that you came up with?
0: Uh, when I took on the role of managing a portfolio of insurance sites at Queen Street, one of the primary sources of traffic that we had was search engine traffic. Got it. And that was declining due to a bunch of black hat practices that was done before before the acquisition of these sites. And Google changes their algorithm all the time. Very quickly, it's like, right? yeah. Yeah. So, but really the question for me was how do I continue to drive revenue from these websites yeah. uh, while we are continuing to w- work on fixing the fundamentals of SEO? So, and the way I approached that was really looking at ways to diversify. The traffic. Um, uh, Prior to me joining the company, we had content syndication partnerships with Microsoft. uh, And it was really to take that to the next level, where we built data-driven widgets, insurance Uh widgets. And eventually, those went on the personal finance section of MSN. Also, we had it on Yahoo and Mint and so on. So, you
1: basically almost like inserted your content into all these different sites yeah
0: we had articles and q and a sections already yeah but what we didn't have was more tools for customers to help in their decision making process as they think about insurance so these widgets were a different way to get to the same content but the way it helped us was it was obviously a rev share model between us and these companies. At the same time, it drove a lot of traffic because of the backlinks yeah. we had there, which also helped customers coming to our sites and browsing and keep coming back for more content. Did it help with SEO at all? Like, did those backlinks... Absolutely. So over time, that also helped SEO. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. yeah, But in the short term, it, the rev share helped in driving incremental revenue for the portfolio. In the long term, we also saw an uptick in uh, search engine traffic. Wow, that's a cool challenge.
1: And I know for a fact that probably everyone listening, including me, we've all had issues with Google changing the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's such a creative way yeah. of tackling that problem. So I think we've talked about growth, we've talked about your career, we've talked about product. I think as we think about closing, what is maybe one or two pieces of advice that you have for our audience who's thinking not just going into product but being an exceptional product manager? What should they think about doing in their day-to day? What's one or two things that you have as advice?
0: I would say that, you know there are a lot of attributes that are important when you take up a particular role, and it could be, uh, you know, things like work-life balance. It could be about the kind of people you work with, but really what I believe one should optimize for is learning. So I think it's super important for us as product managers to find ways where we can constantly challenge ourselves and constantly look for opportunities that give us the learning that we would want in our careers. So my advice to everyone is to optimize for learning, even though some of these other things matter. And you should definitely look at those aspects too. But learning should be the most important thing that you should optimize for. I love
1: that. I think that's a great way to end. And I think for the audience out there, optimizing for learning. And thank you so much, Aditi, for, for being on our podcast. And if you, uh, I highly recommend, I, I've, I've taken a look at her classes at product school. So I highly recommend you look up her presentations if you're looking for a career in product. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you again for being here.
0: Thank you, Mada, for inviting me. And thank you, Branch. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing.